Hello and welcome to episode 30 of the Soundcast this season with myself, Glyn. Um, missing last week, obviously, but both me and Ollie, and still missing um, this week, um, is Ollie, who has uh, been moving house. So, yeah, it's apparently going very well. So, um, hopefully, settling in. But, yeah, not been able to watch the games this week with everything going on. Um, so, yeah, needed a co host, and as usual, um, managed to get my brother, Mike Price, back on. So, welcome back on, Mike. Thanks for having me again. Good stuff. And uh, yeah, I was away this week as well. So um, missed the missed the home game against uh, Portsmouth, um, but did go to the Burton game on the way home um, from a holiday, which was quite good fun. I managed to convince uh, the whole family to go. And my wife even saw a Shrewsbury away victory, which is a, about as rare as hen's teeth. Um, she was absolutely delighted about it. Yeah, honestly. Um, but yeah, it's been a bit of a, a weird couple of weeks, obviously, with the game getting called off, Mike. But um, I don't know. You've not been on since November. I mean, what have you made of the period since then, really, and, and where Shrewsbury Town have kind of been heading? I think... Uh, last time I was on, um, we were all sort of riding a bit of a crest of a bit more enthusiasm. I think we'd all talked about losing a bit of love for for the town and and you know Cottrell's um, tactics and some of his post match com- comments. Yeah. Then I think we turned that round just after that period, and I'd enjoyed going to the match again. We'd a bit more, we a bit more forward thinking. Danny Udo and Ryan Bowman hit the goal trail, and it, everything seemed a bit more rosy. And then mm-hmm. and then just recently, the wheels seemed to have come off again. So um, you know, with the with the the window that wasn't. Um, you know, I'm still waiting to see us actually increase the squad size, but that's not going to happen now, is it? <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's been a bit of an up and down, hasn't it? We had that good run, and then it all seems to have gone a bit quiet. But hopefully, the win at the weekend um, can help us get you know kick on again. So, because we want to, we want to finish strong the season. Mm. So, yeah, fingers crossed, we're, we're back on a run. Yeah, that's the problem, isn't it? We finished last season dreadfully, didn't we? In these last sort of twelve games, mm. so there's definitely room to improve the end of this season on last season, and um, yeah, hopefully we'll come to that. We've got some stats to kind of show show what we need to do, really. I suppose as we go through this, but yeah, as I said, two games this week. So the first one was, uh, as I say, at home to Portsmouth, um, and then you will follow up looking at the Burton game. So let's get on with Portsmouth. Given straight back to Shrewsbury Town as they build from the back again with Grant into the edge with Collins. Bobby Grant still going on to his left foot and shoots Shrewsbury Town straight into the league. Right, so the, the first game we and Glenn are talking about this week is the uh, Tuesday night game against Portsmouth at home. Uh, the game finished Portsmouth 2, Shrewsbury Town 1, unfortunately. Um, we went ahead through Luke Lee on 14 and then they hit back through Aidan O'Brien on 29 and Louis Thompson on 84 and a big turning point in the match was Josh Vella's red card on the 31st minute. So I guess with Ollie not here, Glyn, you can do the stats for this week. <laughs> yes, thanks, Mike. Um, yeah, it, it's a bit interesting, actually. We've, it's a bit tough because we've obviously had a bad run, but we have had four away games in a row with the Morecambe game getting called off and that's only happened um, one other time since we came back up into League One. So I think you can kind of put a little bit of a, a marker there, I suppose, on, on a tough kind of four games away from home I'm sure Cottrell would have hated that with all the travel so mm. maybe there is a little bit of a, a kind of a pressure release there really on looking at the recent form yeah it's been it's been tough for me four away games in a row I've had to go to a lot of kids parties because I don't <laughs> go away as much as I used to so yeah it's it's always tough for the team on the road so um, I bet they were happy to get back home although they didn't get the result um maybe just get a bit more comfortable and, and an easier week under the belts. Yeah, it'd be nice to have a home game on, on Tuesday night when we, when we get to that in a minute. Um, obviously, Josh Feller got a red card in this game. Um, he's now got the joint most red cards in the New Meadow era, obviously since we moved in 2007, um, with one of your favourite players, Mike, Abu Agogo. Um, so three red cards in, I think, about 70-odd games. He's going at quite a rate. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's wild, really. But, you know, I rate Vela. I think he's a great player. He just needs to stay on the pitch a bit more. And yeah. there was always a frustration with the Gogo as well. I love Abu Agogo, but he seemed to get sent off at the most inopportune times when, when we just really needed needed him so um, hopefully Josh is done for the season we could do with him not getting any more of them <laughs> well he's got to miss another two games only 10 games left after that so he, he's got he's only got 10 games to avoid getting one uh, Abu Gogo you're right about his uh, in a, inappropriate red cards but the one the one that always remembers about that one was in that run and going for promotion it was away at Northampton mm. on the, on a Tuesday night I think it was and um, it was just a bit of handbags on the on the sort of edge of the yeah. box the referee sent him off and it was one of those kind of markers that meant we didn't quite get over the line wasn't it so um, yeah it's kind of well remembered that um, and, and also just to hit a, a negative staff we'll have some more of these later when we look at the second game but um, yeah this season is now currently the equal lowest for shots on target um, in the League One seasons and I just thought I'd bring that one up really to kind of talk about um, you know just underlining some of the stuff me and Ollie have been talking about recently Mike which is we, we simply aren't testing goalkeepers anywhere near mm. enough are we um, and you know until that improves we're simply not going to score many goals to win a, a vast amount of games. Yeah and it's not that we're uh, wasteful in front of goal it's that we're not creating enough you know to be wasteful from the few, the few shots that we get you know, if only half of them are going on target, then you're going to be low because we're just mm. creating such little amount. Um, we won't we won't rehash old old arguments, but <laughs> we could have we could have rectified this in the window with a ten, but we didn't bring anybody in, so I think it's it for the season. It's going to be 
low shots and we just have to be trying to be a bit more efficient. Um, yeah, wish they were at Burton. So yeah. fair, fair enough on that one. We didn't have a great amount of shots, but we actually did manage to score two, although one of them was thanks to the goalkeeper, which we'll we'll definitely look at in a minute. Um, for this game, obviously on the Tuesday night game, we'll probably let you do most of the talking here. Mike, I wasn't there, and I'll just I, I watched it on the iFollow, so I'll throw a few questions at you really about what the game was like. But um, team selection, obviously Morosi started, um, and then we had Bennett and Nurse as the wing backs, Ebanks and Pennington at centre back were joined by Flanagan for his home debut, um, and then Leahy, Davis, and Vela in midfield, which which looks probably one of our strong longest midfields at the moment and then Bloxham and a doe up front so yeah it was pretty much the team we probably expected with Flanagan pushing for a start yeah I think that Flanagan dropping straight in and playing again on, on Saturday I think it, Pierre's off in the summer isn't he let's yeah. be honest I think that's um, you know he's definitely back fit Pierre and he's looked better than he's had for a while but he can't get in that back three as a first choice and he you know he probably considered himself a first choice defender so I think that on Tuesday made me think yeah that's the last we've seen of, of Pierre for a full season playing for the town which is a shame I always liked him um, but the team generally picks itself, doesn't it? There's not a huge amount you can say to it. It's just what what they mix up up top, really. Mm. Uh, it was nice to see Bloxham get a go. I, I haven't seen him play for a while in the flesh. Um, and you know, Udo, you know, he's scored a few this season, so keep keep persevering, I think. But yeah, it's kind of it's it's fairly horses for courses now, isn't it? It is, to be fair. And Bloxham's had a good run this week and obviously camped it with a goal, which is nice. So, yeah, I don't know. What was what was this game feeling like when you walked in there, Mike? I know we had an old friend down who's, who used to be a season ticket holder with us that's not been to a game for a while. But, yeah, um, yeah it was a bit weird with not many not many people around. It, but, you know, I wasn't there and a few of other friends weren't there. Was it a bit sparse or was it usual sort of feeling? Yeah, it was, it was sparse around where we usually sit. There was a few empty seats. <laughs> um, you know, obviously people with, bring the kids and aren't there of an evening game and a few of the regulars not about for half term. But it just felt like we, we needed to, to, to put something good into get a result really mm. everybody seemed a little bit on the on on the negative side and there wasn't a lot of pre-match expectation I don't think um, so yeah just going in with a bit of trepidation but you know my wife was there as well randomly over in over in the corporate section um, so I get getting texts off her about the free bar that she was enjoying so it, it upset me a little bit more but yeah it was just sort of turn up and see what we could get done really with the same same old 11 um, I'm led to believe your wife did not return from the bar at half time <laughs> yeah. Mike and stayed there for the second half was yeah. she was she rewarded with that decision yeah totally she <laughs> said as, as soon as Vela went off she was she was staying in the bar really and they had it on on the telly so she kept an half an eye on it but um, don't blame her you know, you know having been there she didn't miss a huge amount second half but um, <laughs> yeah the Prosecco was flowing so she was chuffed free bar you yeah. can't argue about it, can you there we go anyway game started and obviously I say I watched this on iFollow so I kind of kind of got a good idea of what happened on this one but um, yeah the game started and it was a, one of those usual sort of league one evenish starts wasn't there and then yeah there was a bit of a sitter straight away wasn't there from from a miss sort of bad back pass from um i think it was elliot bennett wasn't it yeah heart and mouth time he, he literally just plays a lovely slide rule ball through for their striker he was, <laughs> he was on it like a flash and he's got time and space but i don't know what his name was their number 11 he was he, he wasted a few good chances in the game he wasn't he, if he's good he wasn't good against us you know if he's usually a goal scorer but um we were lucky that he just dragged it wide but it was a bit of a warning sign early doors that Maybe we hadn't come into the game like woken up. We were a mm. bit, we were a bit on our, on our heels a little bit and a bit flat-footed, um, and that that really stayed with us most of the game. We weren't great really um, for for large parts of this match, but neither were Pompey, and it was a bit of a bit of a terrible game really, uh, a bit forgetful. Yeah, we also had our best bit of the game in the thirty-one minutes before Fella got sent yeah. off, didn't we? But um, yeah, there was a long shot Pennington had uh, that was kind of headed off the line, sort of going across goal a little bit. Not too sure it was actually going in, but it came from a, a sort of nice move with Nurse down the left, sort of swept forward. That was a little bit nice to see. Um, and then yeah, as a result of, of kind of the, the save, it sort of pushed that Pennington long shot um, wide for the corner. Yeah, corner uh, actually scored from a corner. <laughs> so yeah, it's exactly what we all said when we jumped up. We were like, bloody hell, we scored from a corner, and it was the most the most basic set piece, you know. Um, Elliot Bennett, who I, I really like his set pieces, he's got a good delivery. Yep. Whips it in. Leahy, like sort of running back, back stick, exactly what you'd want. Big leap, big head on it, back of the net, and it all, we were all a bit like, oh Christ, we've done it again. We've gone ahead. What you know? How are we going to see this out? Um, but yeah, it was it was just exactly what you want to see from a corner. A good strong ball in, in the right position, and somebody attacking it with a bit of um, a bit of intent, really. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I think this is probably the high point, wasn't it? Fifteen mm. minutes in, it kind of started to go downhill from here. And you've got to give Leahy a lot of credit this season. He's he's getting quite a few goals from midfield now. You know, he's probably yeah. getting Norburn numbers. Let's be honest about it. You know, we yeah. used to complain Norburn didn't get enough, but Leahy's been sort of playing a little bit of left back and then in midfield, and he's he's still contributing quite a lot. To be fair, so um, you know, if he goes and gets up to ten, which he could do in the last twelve games, he'll have had a pretty good season goal scoring wise, won't he? For a left back and centre mid as well. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. That's what you always got to remember that he's playing out of position. He's never done it in his career until this season. Mm. Um, so the way he's contributing and it's not just that it's it's not just the goals and assists but it's the way he sort of tries to lead the team and he 
He's he's fully committed all of the time, and he's been one of the standouts of the season. And as the signing goes, you can't really knock him. Um, he could just do with a bit of help at times, I think. He could. And, yeah, it was only a few minutes later. We were sort of riding the crest of the wave. I'm sure the fans were, were quite buzzing in the stadium. And um, 22 minutes, I think this is probably one of, you know, we talk about the red car, but this is probably just as vital to how this game eventually went because it was kind of the impetus as to maybe what caused the red card a little mm. bit. But, yeah, Dave Davis went down with, obviously, uh, a bad ankle injury that has put him out for the rest of the season, um, which is devastating for our midfield let's Got be it. brutally honest about it um, but the referee didn't initially stop play it seemed to get some of the town players riled up I mean Vela a couple of minutes later was involved in a little kind of pushing episode after yeah. another sort of crunching tackle um, so we'll come back to kind of what that led to but let's be honest about it the the, the injury to Davis is probably the worst p- position we could have lost a player at this point in time I think yeah it, it was like you were saying it was a scrappy game there was some you know there was some fat, you know some legs being left in um, mm. it was definitely a game for you know men against you know men to battle in basically <laughs> Um and yeah, Davis, it's a funny one, isn't he? Because considering we released him in the summer yeah. and then brought him back and then he took a while to get up to speed, he's been ex, you know, really good. I'm going to say excellent, but he's been really good in the last five or six weeks, I think. And he really came into his own and he was, you know, he scored that one from the halfway line where he ran through. Um, and he's been really sort of a, a real clear physical presence in our midfield, which has helped us keep the ball at the net. It's protected the back line. Um, and I think he'll be a big miss because he was releasing Leahy and Vela yeah. to play a bit more. But like you say, that him get him getting that injury, I think it annoyed a few of our players that it was you know a bit of a bad foul, and they clearly lost their heads a little bit and led to you know what happened with Vela and and a few other bits of handbags that happened throughout the rest of the game really. Yeah. Indeed, yeah, I totally agree. It's 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 not great timing, is it? And I, I, I'll ask you the question. I would have asked this Ollie, but obviously he's not here. Um, you know, if you view Davis, you know, as you just said, then he got released. He's come back in. You know, do you think over the piece of this season, if he doesn't play for us again, and obviously he's out of contract, was it worth rehiring him? Or you know, do you think he did enough in this in this spell now before his injury to say actually, do you know, what, in in the balance of things, Cottrell probably got about one about right. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Okay. And I think if he'd have played towards the end of the season, I think we'd have said he had a good, strong second half of the season. Mm. Um, I, I like him. I think he, he gets about the pitch and he puts his foot in and he, he's, he's good with the ball. He plays it well. You know, he doesn't he doesn't ever waste it, really. He's not going to win you a game, but he's certainly going to help you win it, like not lose it, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah, but the question is, would we bring him back again next year if his contract's up in the summer? I think... Well, we always say this. I think there's better out there. And but having seen Steve and Keith operate in the transfer market, <laughs> sign him up because we might have nobody else coming in. <laughs> well, it's just, he's completely crock now as well. So yeah. him and Wally have obviously got to get over big long-term injuries before negotiating contracts this summer. And yeah. God knows what we'll do with that. We might just we might just get them because we know where they are, unlike have, other players. Have so. we ever released and re-signed a player two <laughs> two summers in a row? That might be a new one. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure. There we go. And anyway, as you say, it is. Um, there was another thing that kind of ratcheted up and the niggliness in our team, and that was a couple of minutes later on, on 29 Minutes when, yeah, I kind of described this watching it on the iFollow on the night as a kind of an, another ghost goal, like the Wickham mm. ghost goal that cost us so much. Obviously, this is not a goal that is going to cost us a tilt <laughs> at winning the title, um, but it could have been a goal that might cost us relegation. But yeah, ball comes in, Morosi punches it um, kind of out to the right, um, gets a little bit stranded as he does that, um, falls to one of their men, and he kind of cuts in, hits it back. Ebank sorts of tries to clear it off the line. It sort of hits him, deflects up, kind of falls behind him, rolling towards the line, bouncing towards the line. Morosi comes and sort of scrapes it clear like Ben Smith did yeah. back in the day. And I don't know. Uh, you know, I've seen a few replays. We just watched it before we recorded. It's it's very marginal. Obviously, Lino's going to have a better view than everybody, yeah. but it doesn't it's just certainly not a clear goal, is it? From from watching it on on replays. No, using the YouTube pause function is quite inaccurate. <laughs> but I couldn't see it over the line when I was looking at it. Um, but like you say, Lino's looking dead down the line. I don't know if there's a behind the camera view I've not seen that, that gives it a bit clearer. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Well, the first thing to say is Morosi punch. You know, he, he had to punch it anywhere, but where he punched, punched it directly to one of their players. And you think he might have been better off tipping it behind for a, you know, scooping it behind for a corner mm. and just resetting because once he's punched it, he's on he's on the floor and he can't get back up. Yeah. Um, in time to stop the shot, Ebanks Landell gets something on it, kind of goes through his legs a little bit. Um, and then like you say it's a scrap, and when it's so marginal. You can't really complain because there was opportunities for us to do something better with it as it came in. Um, but yeah, one of those frustrating ones because it's not clear cut. You can always have a little bit of a little bit of frustration that yeah, maybe that wasn't a goal and maybe we got a point out of this game and you know so yeah. a bit annoying. But I think you know it's early enough that we could have got something back out of the game. Um, and just maybe Morosi needs to do a bit under the high ball. Like he frustrates me a bit. You said this all season, haven't yeah. We? yeah. 
Yeah, we've, said it. we've been talking about this in the stadium every match day, me and you, Mike, and our mates around us. And sometimes he has looked a bit ropey under the, the, the high ball. But, you know, is you know he's one of those goalkeepers where he makes amends for some of some of the great saves that he makes. So you yeah. kind of forgive him. Same for his kicking, I suppose, at times. Mm. And I've got some stats on Morosi actually coming on, which are, which are quite interesting about the season he's had and how he's turned it around. So we'll come yeah. to that a bit later on. But any kind of hard luck stories and, and feeling a bit annoyed about a kind of potential ghost goal were diminished two minutes later when we did our own downfall, basically. Mm. And, um, yeah, I was... I I was a very angry watcher on iFollow watching this red from from Leahy uh, from Vela sorry um because yeah Leahy went down for a sort of niggly kind of tackle just on the on the byline by the west stand referee doesn't give a free kick and you can see Vela he just suddenly picks that pace up yeah. targets the man that had caused the foul on Leahy and he just steams straight into him late the ball is gone um and it's right in front of the referee um for me personally absolutely idiotic and I was fuming about it to be honest with you because yeah. in the situation we're in at that point in time we can you know talk about Burton later but you know we were in the shit we were about to go nine games without a win mm-hmm. um, you know eight games without a win sorry and you know it was just not something we really needed and I, I, I haven't seen too many town fans being able to defend him I know Cottrell didn't at the end of the game about it either so yeah it was just an absolute mad moment really wasn't it yeah I mean the tackle on Leahy's not a good tackle no but what annoyed me on the night is after the tackle Leahy gets up limps forward with the ball two paces, tries to pass it up the line, and then goes down, injured. Yeah. Now, Lee, he could have just knocked it out for himself to get some treatment. Yeah. And we would have avoided all the rest of the stupid that happened afterwards. Mm. We would have had 11 players on the pitch. So he does that. Then, obviously, his pass doesn't make it to... I can't remember who was at the line from him. Um, might have been Udo. So that they intercept it, play it through the middle, and then Josh Vela's got a decision to make. Obviously, he's annoyed his mate's been crunched in a bad tackle anyway. He's got to try and stop the attack because I think they were they were outnumbering us on the break. It's a stupid tackle. He comes in from the blind side. He comes in high. He takes the guy standing foot, and the guy has no idea that he's coming. It's a horrible, horrible tackle. So it's a red card all day. Yeah. Um, but I think we just again we're not streetwise enough. You know, Lee, he's got a nerve. If he's if he's crocked, just pop it out for a throw in and reset. And he kind of stitches his mate up, and Vela doesn't help himself with an absolutely ridiculous tackle. And I think it's um, it's totally screwed us for the rest of the game. We we, were, we all said then, well, we're not getting anything out of this because we'd already been a, a bit a bit on our heels after we they, we conceded the goal. Way. And yeah, yeah I, th- I think it was um, writing on the wall then, which is another reason my wife didn't come out for the second half. <laughs> well, there we go. It, it's it was for me. I mean, we were slagging you know slagging blocks off for the decision making he made when he got his red card yeah. for that little headbutt incident a few weeks back. And I think you've got to be as equally harsh on Vela if, if, if anything more harsh because he's an experienced yeah. pro one of our leaders <laughs> and I, I've been talking about it on the podcast I, I don't generally think he, he's been one of the players that's been underperforming the most during this bad run um, and in, interestingly someone was talking to me on Twitter about saying I'd like to see what our record with and without Vela is this mm. season because as soon as he dropped out of the team we obviously won on Saturday but I don't think there's much correlation there I had a look but um, yeah just you, you want your in this sort of relegation battle which is what we still are in let's be honest about it you want your experienced players to stand up and yeah. not show that idiocy really but I think it's a sign that we're we're a, we're a team that's struggling. You always get more reds and silly yellows when the team's struggling, and inevitably, you know, you you've got to go and try and win the ball, and you've got to go and try try and break up, you know, to make a risky tackle to break up the opposition because you're being dominated more regularly than you're mm. than you're having the ball, and so it's a bit of an evidence that we're a bit of a, in a bit of a crisis this season. I, I use that word advisedly. You know, <laughs> we're, we're not definitely going down, but no. you know, the number of red cards we've had this season and and experienced players having to make rash decisions, you know, just because we're not competing as well as we can be in games it's it's evidence that you know everybody's a little bit panicked that they need to just get this season over the line and maybe making some silly decisions to to see out games so yeah it's frustrating and it totally killed us for the rest of the game mm. um yeah there wasn't too much to talk about really after that there's a few chances but as we'll go through it and obviously their goal but the, the good thing was at one point Vela's walking off down the tunnel um you know Davis is probably in the back of an ambulance heading to the hospital to for his season ending injury and Leahy's lying there on the pitch prostate after a bad challenge himself and at one point there you're thinking have we just lost all three of our only yeah. experienced central midfielders in one go um turns out luckily Leahy did manage to limp on um and we readjusted by um Bloxham playing a little bit deeper which I felt was harsh on Bloxham because he finally got that chance to start and yeah. he was the one that got sort of shunted around to deal with the red card so um yeah Valero's in one to be honest with you um from that point onwards it was all Pompey as you said Mike the defense did really well we'll keep coming back to that they were really really good solid for pretty much the rest of this game and, and um Pompey did miss a sitter again later on Morosi made a good save um, it was a stunning save that was it yeah was absolutely point blank and this is the frustration under the high ball he's a liability and he's kicking sometimes he just shanks it straight out of play but he's made some absolutely stunning Point blank reflex saves that, yep. have, that have saved us points and saved us really getting getting under the gun. So, you know, on the on the on the 
balance of, of expectation. I think he's had a good season. He just he just needs to tidy up some of the some of the easy stuff he needs to get done, really. Yep. And just on 45, there was a deflected chance for Pompey. They needed to just turn it home, but luckily no one was there. And we were really hanging on just into the six minutes of extra time. But we got through it um, and got in 1-1 half-time, um, thinking, what's the best we can get out of this, really? So, yeah, it was a case of seeing whether we could hang on. And that's how the game went, second half, mm, really, if you, totally. before comes some of the moments. But generally, the vibe was we were kind of backs against the wall, weren't we? Yeah, I mean, we were, we were playing for time a lot of the time. You know, yeah. Morosi was taking an age off for his goal kicks. I can't remember if he got booked, but if he didn't, I don't know how. No, really. he didn't, no. Um, yeah, so it was just, I, I think clearly the, the, the plan was sit deep, soak up pressure and try and hit on the break, but we just didn't have an eight ball most of the time and it was really trying to get a point out of it, I think. Yeah, the best bit of this half was at the start. I think we had a good spell right at the start, a little spirited start, a little bit of something, uh, a couple of corners and crosses we had in those first couple of minutes and then Leahy caught a sort of decent shot well over from about 25 yards and looked to be like we were, we were going to try our best, but I think as the game went on, they kind of settled down, figured us out. I think they made a couple of tactical rejigs, I suppose, um, yeah. and from for, sort of 15 minutes into the half, the game settled down to, as to say, that pattern we just talked about, which was yeah. constant sort of pompy pressure, really. Yeah, I think Pompey came out and they were like, soak up the first 10, they'll, they'll come and try and give it a go and then yeah. just basically make their legs count as well because I think they probably know we're a small squad, they probably know we're running close to empty anyway on some of our older players, so see out the first 10 minutes and the legs will drop out of us and they can play some football and, and that's absolutely what happened as well. It was a bit of backs to the wall for the for the last half an hour mm. um, I'm, I'm, and we couldn't really see us sort of seeing it out bar a, you know, a, a a titanic performance and unfortunately we couldn't get it really yeah I mean it got up to I think 73% possession of Pompey in the second half wow. which is probably fair reflection of playing against 10 men you can't really criticise lads for that and as much as you can talk about it being back to the wall and we didn't really attack too much and we'd have a couple of chances as the game goes on but you co- you've got to credit the 10 that stayed on you know they yeah. got shafted by Vivella and they worked the balls off mm. they worked really really hard particularly the back five um, but even the, the front players ran in those defensive positions yeah. as well and you know I can't really criticise the 10 that stayed on too much to be honest no they, they gave it a great effort and, yeah. and the fact that they, they took it too le- so late before um, Pompey scored was was impressive by them and you know like you say about poor old Tom Bloxham he's not on there to defend neither is <laughs> Dan Udo and they're, they're running back into fullback positions to, to sort of try and cover an overlap and it's it's not their game but then they do well and they win the ball and we lash it up the field but that they're supposed to be on the end of it, and they're supposed to be one clearing it, yeah. and then it just comes back, and it it's so dispirited for them. But you know, they're, they're a fit team, to be fair, and they work hard. Um, but too many times this this season, we've had ten on the pitch, and. It's just it's back against the wall stuff, isn't it? Yeah, they didn't down tools. That's one thing we can keep, yeah. keep saying about them. It's <clears throat> as much as there's been times when we're thinking, you know, with this bad run we've been having at the start of the season and in those last eight games, they've they've rarely down tools completely, and that is to the credit of them, I suppose. But um, yeah, in terms of big moments in the game, there was a really really good reflex save late on, um, sort of well, midway through the half where um, there was a cross came in and and Rossi made another really good reflex save from that, mm-hmm. um, and at that point, you know, it was feeling like him and him and the sort of three centre backs heading yeah. stuff away were keeping us in. Um, and then there was one chance, I suppose, for us to, to kind of get ahead and maybe hold on to a lead. Um, there was a corner, which you were, t- you were telling me about before we started recording, and Pennington headed just over on the angle. It was a bit unlucky, that. Yeah, I think it was a free kick, actually. But oh, it was. It, it comes in, and um, I think on the night, he gets a flick header on it. It just goes past the angle uh, the, at the far side of the goal. Mm. And it was almost one of them ones where you kind of wish he'd, like, dummied it. Because I think the keeper was a bit taken by where he was going, and it would, probably would have just dropped in the back post. So... It was really close and he got it well to win it. And it's one of those where that was definitely the tactic. Try and soak up the pressure. Try and get the ball into the into the channel for somebody to run onto. Try and get fouled. And then give us an opportunity to whip the ball in, basically. And that was what we were trying to do. Nurse took quite a few long throws. Um, and that was really what we were trying to do. Just, just take a sort of set-piece advantage. Um, but yeah, we couldn't turn one in, unfortunately. There's I mean, a massive reliance on set-pieces in the last few weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Whether it's corners, free kicks or long throws, a lot of our goals are starting to come from those. So um, you know, it shows you maybe how poor we have been in terms of the general attack in play. But um, yeah, that's been discussed to death, I suppose. Um, yeah, I think you know that was it. That was our last kind of major chance really in the game. And 84 minutes we got up to. It was a bit unfortunate. You would have loved to have held us on for a point. You would have considered it to be a really, really good point, I think. But... Um, just, just a good goal, I suppose. Um, yeah. And an ex-player, Louis, Louis Tomlinson, as bloody usual. Uh, what do you make of the goal on the night? Do you think Morosi could have done better? I saw a few people criticising him, but not too sure about that. I we looked at the replay before we did this, and and when I was looking at it, it Bennett goes to shut down the, the guy that's got it out on the right, uh, and then he pops it off and he gets it back, and then Bowman gets dragged into him, mm. and then he squares it off to Thompson, and I think Bowman is the man that should be pressing Thompson, so he leaves him free, and he's got all the time in the world to just pick his spot and he picks it on the night I thought it went down the middle of the goal but it went in the top right yeah, corner didn't it, it? Did, yeah. um, and it's it's a really good finish he's never done anything like that for us um, <laughs> 
but yeah, it's, it's a good goal. And it's one that I don't think you can blame Morosi for because the guy's got all the time to pick it. I mean, it's, it's hard for a keeper to save though. So it's just that we didn't do enough to pressure him to, to put him off really. So um, down to a little bit, probably tired legs at the end and losing a little bit of shape because we, we've only got 10 on. So yeah, just one of those end of the game, nothing's going right for you goals. It was the first time they found a bit of space on the edge of the box the yeah. whole game. That's a testament to how well the back three and Leahy and Fauna uh, came on and ratted around. And their work rate in midfield was absolutely excellent, to yeah. be fair, We're down to 10 men. But um, yeah, just that one time where one player switched off for about a, a, a second too late, and that's mm. it. Bang. League one, that's all it takes. And that was it, really. Game over then. Um, we had nothing clear cut after that. I thought we ended the game quite poorly, but yeah. we, we felt like we just got hit by the sucker punch, and there was not much, much fight left in us at the end there. But that was more from, as you say, tired legs and putting everything into it but yeah. they didn't stop battling they kept going to the end and um i think when that goal went in the, the heads dropped a bit you could see the shoulders go and it just yeah, another game where they sort of go you know we put it all in here and we're coming out with nothing and i think it, it, it knocked him about and I, I couldn't see us getting anything after that goal and it was basically playing for time then no and then on the night i was watching the i follow mike and uh from from uh what was incredibly windy uh <laughs> chroma in norfolk and uh thinking the roof was going to get blown off um but yeah it, it's kind of the camera was panning over to the sort of center, center circle and all of a sudden there's a big sort of kerfuffle down by block 19 really and mm. uh, yeah i don't quite know what happened i've seen a few things on twitter about what had caused it but yeah what did you make of all that at the end so uh, in the first half, i think it was either the lad or who, who injured Leahy, or the lad who got hurt by vela might be the same guy actually yeah um after Vela got sent off, he'd come sort of strolling over and he'd give a big smile to the West Stand, you know, like you'd like, like they do when they've wound him up and they've got huh. an advantage. Holt-esque. And for the rest of the game, the West Stand were booing this guy relentlessly and you're an effing cheat and all this business, as you do. And he was taking it and he, he wasn't doing anything. But at the end of the game, he walked towards the away fans and he had a protracted hands-over-the-head clap at, oh, at no. blocks 18 and 19, <laughs> staring him out, clap, 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 for, for ages. And we were like, we were like, yeah, I get it, all right. This is going on a bit long. Like, okay, I'm not really sure what you're trying to achieve here. <laughs> and Vela spied it. No, not Vela. Uh, Leahy spied it. Yeah. And he like ran over to the guy. And Leahy was obviously pissed off anyway. And he, and he gets quite aggy. You know, he yeah, gets yeah. quite annoyed when he loses. And he ran over to the guy and he's like pulling his hands down. He's saying, "Look, leave it out, mate. Go and applaud your own fans." And they squared up to each other. And then Leahy pushed him, and the guy looked like he sort of pushed him back, but sort of hit him in the face. And then Leahy turned around like he'd forgotten that the game had finished, looking for the ref to send him off. <laughs> the then realised that the ref wasn't even on the pitch anymore. None of, <laughs> none of his mates were anywhere near him. Oh, God. All the, all the Pompey, Pompey players were there, and he sort of sheeped off a bit, and then all the town players came over, and there was a bit of handbags and a yeah. bit of pushing and shoving. I think Udo got quite involved at one point. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised to see another FA charge coming down the line, because <sighs> it's another case of us not controlling our players, I think. I'm not sure we can get it if the referee's left the pitch. Uh, possibly, yeah. So we might get away with this one, yeah. but yeah, we certainly had our fines this season, haven't we? So um, yeah, there we go. Not A bit of a naggy end to a kind of naggy game, I think, overall. Good to see and... him have a bit of fight at the end yeah, of the loss as well, true. though. They're, they're still battling for it, and, yeah. and players like Leahy are going to be key to, to motivating us, getting us through, seeing that desire. He's only been here, you know, less than 12 months, and he, he wants to do well for Shrewsbury Town and try and lead us to do better than we can do so it's nice to see it but you know if, if, if the ref had been about and sent him off as well we'd be really in the shit so we would yeah. we would luckily and he wasn't injured luckily and he played at Burton but yeah Lee's definitely become a fan favourite I think for that passion uh, obviously goals help but his overall contribution to games his work rate but as I say yeah he's got that passion you, you know we've talked about him and his little moans he'll have at other players and he wants the best out of other players he looks like the sort of bloke that might become a captain down the line I was going to say no offence to Ebanks and I'd make him captain next yeah, season true. Yeah. yeah it's fair enough we'll see see if that happens Ebanks will hopefully be here but um, yeah, yeah, not sure on his contract situation but there we go it probably brings us fairly fairly good onto um, top threes because Lee he features quite heavily Ollie watched this game um, probably whilst uh, people were moving boxes around him in the evening and babies <laughs> were crying in the background so I'm sure that was a very, very stressful evening Ollie but yeah he picked his top three he went for Leahy uh, man of the match Nurse second who we haven't really mentioned but was really really solid at, uh, at left wing back wasn't he and um, he went for Bloxham who again fair, fair enough I think that, I think the reason he probably went for him is like I discussed mm. got shunted around but worked really really hard in, yeah. a, in a difficult situation and um, yeah I think those are fair fair top three I personally went for Leahy as well um, for the same reasons we just discussed his, his work rate overall was, was exemplary um, and, and what he did in the game was, was really good Pennington for me was probably the standout of the centre backs just above Ebanks so I went for Pennington in second and uh, Ebanks in third what about you, Mike? I went for Leahy first for the goal and the all-round sort of uh, drive and leadership. Um, I went for Pennington second because he had a couple of chances where he nearly won- he nearly got us another goal. Yeah. But also very strong at the back. And one one occasion where he, he flicked one over the bar um, and basically sort of saved a, a clear goal off the line. And then the third one was, I moaned about him, but I, I went for Morosi because in quite a forgettable game where we were under the cosh, two of the real standout moments were those saves that, mm. that kept us in it, although we didn't get anything out of it. 
Um, I thought, you know, for the frustrations that we have, we're a bit wayward. You know, those those saves are key in key moments in games. I think. Yeah, and then we would normally cover Cottrell's comments, but um, Ollie's decided. I think he's, he's. We've discussed this, and we might not cover them anymore because there's been a bit of a change um, in what you actually hear. If you don't catch it on Radio Shropshire, it's difficult to understand what he's actually said too much anymore because the club have kind of cut down what they put online now, and it's essentially um, the the bit that's online for this game was just the the club journalist um, mm. asking him a few questions. Uh, no, no offense to the club journalist. I, I met him actually at the sports park meeting. He seems a really nice lad, um, and you know he's just asking questions that are kind of based on the club. He's not going to you know you're not going to rock the boat or no. your manager in that circumstance so it's a bit awkward really if you don't catch the radio Shropshire now because you kind of miss the more interesting things that maybe Lewis and um, Dunny are asking and we will get to what Louis and Dunny are asking or not asking and how it's caused Scottrell <laughs> to react when we get to the Burton game but yeah it's it's a bit it's a bit tricky really and I've noticed a lot of people this week talking about how it feels like they've lost a little bit of value out of iFollow and mm. that maybe what's the point in re- you know renewing it I don't know what you make of kind of that change recently and, and sort of why maybe it's being done it's it's frustrating because um I think those those uh, the clips at the end of the match that the town put on the YouTube channel is like because most people don't hear Radio Shropshire post match because you're either travelling back from yep. the match yep. or you're walking back or what have you. So not a lot of people hear that. So then if they're not going to put it on the YouTube channel, how do you hear non-club like affiliated questions? Really, you don't. You're not going to hear them, are you? Now the frustration for me is if you and Ollie aren't going to cover them, that's where I used to get it from. Yeah, true. So now you know they're, they're really going to go behind a curtain if there aren't people like yourselves putting it on on your podcast. Mm. Um, so it might be something for you to consider whether you actually do want to cover it if you can catch it somewhere um, because it's going to it's going to help people sort of see both sides from from inside the club, but also what the local press are doing. Yeah, it's 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 because you like as a fan to not have anything filtered, do, don't yeah. you? You know, and Lewis Cox does a great job for the newspaper, and, and Radio Shropshire will put out their content of the, the, the questions they've asked in, in intermediate bits across the week. But trying to track that down is going to be quite difficult. I don't know. We'll maybe have to see how we find it going on. But, but Lewis is always going to write up his article based on yeah. the questions he's asked. But in print, it feels very different to hearing the manager's tone and the yeah. way he describes it. And to me, you lose a little bit, don't you? Yeah, and I think fundamentally, it doesn't it doesn't reflect well on the manager or the club. I'm not sure who's made the decision. Yeah, who knows? If, if, if Cottrell said, you know. Don't put me post match out because I'm a bit spiky. Well, don't be spiky, mate. You know, be a bit more reasonable. And if the club are just trying to protect their image because they know the manager's spiky, have a word of them and tell them to stop being a dick. Like, yeah, that's going to work. <laughs> it's it's one or the other. But it, the the answer isn't don't put his post match out there. And you know, if he's got a problem being asked questions by Danny Lewis Cox, with with all due respect to him, they're great guys and they do a good job. They're not, you know, the local Liverpool press, are they? In a bad run, they're not the local Leeds press. They're 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 pretty on side if the manager will be reasonable to them. Mm. Um, and I th- I think it's. You know, it's it's a Steve Cottrell problem, not a press problem. Yeah, and I don't I don't think the answer is pulling the curtain down. Well, we, we we will revisit this in about twenty minutes time after we look to Burton. It, the funniest thing this week about what anything that Steve Cottrell said before the Burton game was, after all this time of uh, Ollie trying to you know talk to me about XG, and I understand it now, Mike, and he's he's giving me he's giving me the right speed up on XG, and we do often talk about it on the podcast. Well, he's had the manager talking about it now oh, because we've gone on an eight game without a loss. He was suddenly bringing out XG stats in the yeah. week before the Burton game, so um, I thought that was quite funny to be fair. But um, <laughs> there we go. We'll always promote stats that really make you look good, won't you? As soon as the XG goes in the toilet, he won't be bringing it up, will he? Yeah, we'll look at our stats before the Burton game if you want to have a look at some uh, eye-opening things. But yeah, there we go. That was the first game this week. Obviously, it wasn't the way we wanted to start. But um, yeah, obviously a chance to make up for it at Burton. And we'll turn to look at that now. And now Shrewsbury are chasing the winning goal. Stoke City are collapsing here. And it's Doherty. Low for Lawrence! Extraordinary! Josh Lawrence makes it 3-2 to Shrewsbury. Right, so the second match we got this week to go through was uh, on Saturday. She'd be away at Burton, where we won amazingly. We won 2 0. <laughs> uh, Tom Bloxon scored in the 35th minute, and Matt Pennington scored in the 59th minute. Uh, Glynn was there, I was not, so expect a lot of Glynn during this section. Um, I'll try and chip in where I can because I've watched the highlights. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one. I want to, I think interesting. We obviously took a almost a thousand fans there, which mm. was which is fantastic, really. And I'll I'll talk a lot about the fans because they were absolutely fantastic on Saturday. Yeah. Um, but we'll come to that. But obviously, we'll start with a few stats before we get into the game. Um, interestingly, this is the thirty fourth game of the season, the Burton game, which was exactly the point at which that COVID season got called off. And yeah. if you remember when the game got called, when that season got called off, we were like, thank God for that. We mm. were heading down. Scarily, when that COVID season got called off, we had 41 points. This season, we only have 37. So we're uh, we're four points off where we were at the uh, end of that terrible COVID season. So let's not think we're completely out of the woods yet because... The sad thing is, we are now further behind this season. Uh, sorry, further behind last season, where we only just avoided relegation, than we have been at any point so far during during the, the season. So, yeah, thirty four games. We're now nine points behind where we were after thirty four games last season. Um, so, but, bit worrying. But is it weird that we're 
are we sitting in a slightly better position? We feel safer, I guess. Roughly about that. Well, I think the gap last season and this season was pretty the same. It's like I was going to say, do you think four there's been six a, points? Do you think there's been like a COVID impact on other teams? The the three at the bottom are really really shit, aren't they? Yes. Like they're not going to trouble us, and it's basically Morecambe. Yeah. And so are we? You know, are we like doing slightly better in a much worse league this season? Do you think? We're doing we're doing slightly worse oh, in, yeah, a worse in a worse league. league. I yeah, think yeah. that's a better yeah. way of saying it, and that's probably what you meant to say. But yeah, yeah. We're, we're we're not as good as we were last season for a points points versus yeah. games ratio. You know, we're nine points worse off than we were. Mm. Um, obviously, you don't play the same teams in the same order, and so there is a little bit of that. We probably played more away games this season mm. than we have home games to that point. So there's a little bit of a, a discussion to be had on that. But in general, I think yeah, the bottom three are probably worse than the the bottom three or four that we had last season, and that's probably deep down what will save us if we can grab another couple of wins before the end of the season. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting discussion, but yeah, just you know, we've been tracking this on the podcast all the way through. And to a fall of nine points behind last season feels a little bit worrying, but yeah, you look at the league table and it kind of takes those worries away a little bit, doesn't it? Because mm. we're now six points ahead of Morecambe, which is uh, great after the end of this game. Um, interestingly, another stat that kind of came up to me in terms of longevity of managers in League One: if Steve Cottrell does last to the end of the season, now which seems likely, you know, mm. we're kind of clawing our way there. I very much doubt he's going to get sacked, um, and he certainly isn't going to leave. <laughs> I don't think by the end of the season he will be our longest-serving manager in League One. Which feels really odd, doesn't yeah. it? Because we weren't at a lot of those games. And it felt like Sam Ricketts was here for like 10 years. <laughs> when we were, but like, yeah, so that is a surprise because it feels like Steve Cottrell's not been here that long. Hmm? Um, so, yeah, I, I guess it's just one of those weird impacts of COVID and cancel seasons and short seasons and, and all that business. Like, yeah, it feels odd and that we still haven't... Well, I say we. I can't speak for all the fans, but it seems like the majority of the fans still haven't really taken to him. Yeah, that's post a fair point. Pro- coming back after his COVID illness. Um, yeah. It's a, it's an odd one, really. You'd think we'd, we'd be a bit more connected with him. And I think he doesn't do well connecting himself to the fans. It's odd because I think at the start of the season, fans were more connected to him than any manager in, yeah. in any of the League One seasons. But his attitude during that opening run just Wild. spoiled it, didn't yeah. it? And it was it's a very odd situation that's happened. And he needs he needs to turn it around at the start of next season by getting a few wins. And maybe you can always turn fans around. Bring back you? the thing. Do the, oh. <laughs> three for a win and one for a draw. Bring back that big salute they did at Telford. Are you loving that? Seems like a long time ago, the thing, doesn't it? Now? <laughs> um, but yeah, obviously, Hurst is our longest serving manager in League One. Um, he managed 79 games. Sorry, 77 games. And if we if we get to the end of the season with Steve Cottrell, he'll be on 79. So, yeah, very interesting, I thought, that one. Um, and Marco Morosi um, has been racking up the clean sheets since about November, okay. having gone the longest wait for any goalkeeper in our history of our club to get a first clean sheet, whatever it was, 22 games or something ridiculous, like that, wasn't it? Um, yeah, he's now got more clean sheets than Sarkic had last season. Mm. He's only two off Max O'Leary um, in the season before that, wasn't it? And he's only five league clean sheets off Dean Enderson, which is Smart. amazing, to be fair. And we talked about him in the last game, and you gave him your sort of third-place man of the match. But yeah. I think... You know, considering a lot of people don't rate his ability under the ball and they don't kind of rate his kicking a lot of time, he is starting to be part of a good defensive unit and he deserves some credit. Yeah, I think he's helped by the fact that Cottrell's a, a, you know, a safety first manager at the moment and he's got a lot of players playing in front of him. Yep. Um, three really quality centre-halves that are keeping the ball away from him and he's, he's there to do those reaction saves. They're trying to keep the crosses away from him, aren't they, a bit. So mm. I think just Cottrell's set him up for clean sheets. It's the you know the problem we know, we all know is scoring at the other end, so it's not surprising we start he started keeping them clean sheets because he's he's playing in a defensive setup. Yeah, I'm glad to see it's going better for him though with that sort of thing because yeah. keepers crave clean sheets, don't they? To be fair, so mm. there we go. Um, team selection for Burton then. So yeah, we I pitched up at the ground uh, as I say on the way back from 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 my holidays. I came off the beach and then arrived at Burton where their pitch looked like a beach. It's got <laughs> it looked be awful of, on the highlights. Yeah, it's got to be one of the worst pitches in the league. It's got so many bobbles on it. In the opening five minutes of this game, the ball was bobbling something chronic. Yeah. I was like, my first touch would have been all over. The shot <laughs> in this game, but um, yeah, Morosi was uh, starting, um, and then yeah, we had uh, Bennett and Nurse as the wing backs again. Flanagan, Ebanks, and Pennington kept their place at centre back. Um, then we went for a sort of slightly different formation of Leahy and Fauna in midfield, and then the three lads up front with Bloxham, the spearhead, and Bowman at a doe off him, which I think, based on injuries, suspensions. Mm probably the best thing we could have done tactically obviously it worked um, but yeah I think that was probably better than trying to drop one of the strikers and put another player who was uncomfortable in midfield in uh, yeah I think the only way you'd have done it is to put either Nurse or Bennett in the centre mid but then who are you playing exactly. back yeah. um, there's not an option one to go in there so and it's nice to see us mix it up a bit because I think we've become quite predictable for, for the opposition so maybe that was one of the reasons why we, we did well at the weekend is we caught Burn a little bit on the hop tactically um, yeah. in that we, we were making it a bit more difficult for them with more players up their end of the pitch if you will 
True, and the interesting team news from Burton was no Chapman starting for them, which was uh, good news for us, considering yeah. our record with players scoring against us who used to play for us. Um, and they'd obviously made two flashy new signings in the week, um, Omar Nias and Adelaine Guardiola. Guardiola? It's a good effort, that. I don't know, to be honest with you. I mean, they're both players that played um, high-level international football and um, premiership football, obviously, connections probably through Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, a player yeah. with a bit more of a reputation, I suppose, as a player, um, certainly more than a manager. So, yeah, none of them started. They did all come on as the game went on. I think they, they were probably... They all looked good when they came on to be honest with you so um, it's just as well they never started but yeah um, game started I think Burton controlled the opening spell for me obviously you weren't there but I think mm. a lot of that was to do with the fact they knew how to play on that pitch a bit better I was going to say was it like the, the old <laughs> level like the old game meadow pitch used to be a little bit you yeah. listen to uh, the end of Sif's podcast yeah. and Dave Edwards and, and Aston and um, Cowan a very very that one podcast did about the pitch and how yeah. it was just the teams coming up from London didn't like it I think maybe it was a little bit like that they're saying they picked all their points up after December when it was a bog <laughs> like, and, like you can remember it being the same as that can't you you can yeah, yeah there we go um, and yeah the opening exchanges were, were kind of there was no I mean, to talk about this first half, my general view of it was that it was very bitty, very slow. Both teams seemed to be playing for free kicks, long throws and, mm. and corners. Um, but Burton were so slow to do anything. If they got a free kick, they were slow to it. If they got a throw in, they were slow to it. They mm. clearly did... I don't know what it was about. They, they didn't come at us like Burton teams have done over the last few years. We went there a few years ago, didn't yeah. we? Um, when you got very drunk. But they, <laughs> they, they kind of have been a bit more of a flashy attacking team against yeah. us over the years. It definitely wasn't like that. They were, they were quite... They were agricultural, but they were just slow and... Going to Burton, I've got, we've discussed my terrible away record and not seen us win away, away since Mickey Mellon was manager. Um, Burton's always been, I've always found it difficult to, to play there. They've always had a little bit of something about them. Yeah. I remember one game we were doing okay and then I can't remember who the keeper was, booted up the arse of their striker and it went in. Yeah. I can't remember when that was now. But yeah, we've, we've had a bad record at Burton, I think. But actually, I was listening to the radio to drop the kids off at a party when I was at home. And uh, apparently our record at Burton is pretty good. We've won and drawn mostly. And, and So I've seen all the losses, I think, basically. I have a lot to do with the fact you're always drunk when you go there. I you can't no idea. What I can't remember. <laughs> no idea what any of the score is at Burton. Um, but there we go. I say 20 minutes in, nothing really happened in the game. Um, Burton kept persisting with long balls at the start, which was really helpful to us because obviously that's our strength. Soak it up, yeah. Heading all of that away. Um, so we cleared and headed all that away. But yeah, our long balls were awful. The centre-backs played a couple of really bad long balls straight out of play. Um, and our first two corners hit the front man, which was completely um, frustrating. So um, we were starting to get a bit annoyed about corners, which is ironic considering what happened on 35 minutes. Mm. But um, there was one really funny incident in the start of the half where um, the Burton mascot came down the side on the right from where the fans were and the town fans started chanting at him and he was giving them loads of abuse back. <laughs> <laughs> like cupping his ear and like going come on and, and all this other stuff and um, eventually it got quite heated and the police came over and asked them to get the mascot out of the way as for, for, the mascot got escorted off and he got a massive telling off of someone in official Brilliant. Burton merchandise I've never seen the police move a mascot on before I thought it was a bit bit of an overreaction and the mascot was only trying to trying to get join him with the, the chance and stuff but, yeah. um, and you mentioned the, the town fans there I got to say on the radio it's all you could hear. Oh, they were well loud. They were they they sounded amazing because I I listened to most of the game on the radio after dropping the kids off and I just thought um, we we took quite a few didn't we and they yep. they they did brilliantly I thought and you know you know I don't, you'll probably mention if they were the twelfth man or not but they seemed to be really roaring a song. Um, I was going to come to it at the end. Uh, I spoke to a Burton fan after the game and he said we're the best fans that have gone there this oh, season. Brilliant. Um, and they've had full of away ends. Obviously we took almost a thousand but it was a really interesting atmosphere on Saturday. I felt like it was do or die wasn't it you know we needed to get mm. this bad run off our and the, they got the back in and they got the back in vocally and it was brilliant there's some really good chants we'll talk about as we go through the game and 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 it just it was good it, I think it was really kind of that 12th man as yeah. you sort of say and one of those games where positivity off the pitch can pay dividends and if you give the fans something which we yeah. did in this game that obviously helps doesn't it and um, yeah we had our first chance I think on about 30 minutes uh, I said it was a very slow opening to the game and Nadeau fired over from out on the left it was a bit of a weak finish that one um, we were just watching the highlights back weren't we and all we could hear was uh, Steve Cottrell shouting keep going yeah he's so loud on the highlights we can hear him in the stadium he must hear his throat or something when he's going on but you know it's good that he's communicating and passionate on the sidelines because we've had some you know Ricketts was a statue wasn't he Yeah. it's lovely to see somebody who's actually engaged with the game and and trying to encourage and change the game from the sidelines I quite like that he literally never shuts up as I talked about when I was in the the posh sheets the other week Um, and then yeah the game finally got going particularly for us on 35 minutes where we I say the corners had been terrible like Mm. the first two corners I was like why can't we beat the first man and then suddenly maybe the reason was is that we were actually trying to do something off the training ground and you've seen this goal back but yeah. the first thing you said to me was training ground goal looks exactly like it they uh, who takes is it Bennett that Bennett, takes it yeah. yeah he takes a corner and he puts it right into an area where you wouldn't usually hit the ball and Bloxham is, is heading there before he takes it so he knows where it's going and it's absolutely something off the training ground it's 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 executed to perfection mm. and I think that's got something to do with them going and celebrating with the manager because when they've practiced something 
drilled it and it works, you're going to go and practice, celebrate with the manager because yeah. it's it's obviously something that they've all worked on together. Yeah, it's really good. He t- just sort of takes a step back, swivels and, and fires it in with some power as yeah. well. He, he does shoot with power, which is something I will definitely add to his football manager uh, database <laughs> when it comes around in the summer again. Uh, some of the other highlights. <laughs> Udo shoots with power, but less accuracy at the moment. Yeah, yeah I did have to downgrade him in the winter. Um, something to do... Yeah, but I say, going back to that thing about the manager, it's funny, he kind of goes over there and it almost looks like... Cottrell puts his hand up and he kind of looks like he's pretending to take a dart out of his yeah. hand and then throw a dart. It was almost like a dart celebration. I'd like to know one of the press can ask about that this week because I'd, I'd kind of well, like to know We wouldn't hear about, about it, would we? <laughs> we wouldn't know. But I think that maybe is what it is. is it's quite kind of ac- something to do with accuracy. accuracy yeah, yeah. They've obviously been talking about accuracy this yeah. week or something. So, um, yeah, it was bloody accurate, to be fair. It was a great goal and gave us something to hold on to, which we that was initially how I thought the game would go because mm. we've been struggling to kind of win games. You wanted something to hold on to and it definitely... You know, you take a big breath and you kind of yeah. feel a bit proud and you think, right, come on, lads, we've got something to hold on here. Burton had been, they weren't, they really hadn't been good in this game up to that point. And they, I don't think, I wasn't really impressed with them across the whole game, to be honest with you. And um, yeah, we started to kind of get on top a little bit after that goal. There was a, a town corner where Pennington had a header cleared off the line, which was a bit mm. unlucky. Um, um, and then there was a great moment, which, if anyone's seen the Blue and Amber Twitter account, um, Basically, about 300 town fans started chanting, shoes off if you love Shrewsbury. Yeah. And everyone had their shoes above their head. There's a great photo on there. It was mad. I've never seen that many. I've seen it happen a couple of times at away games that I've been to over the course of the last couple of seasons. But that was definitely, for me, the most people who joined in with it. It was mad. I hope that gets picked up and, and becomes <laughs> a regular thing. Because it's it's not often that a group of fans will have a, a unique thing just mm. for them. So most of the chants are rehashed and you just put your own team name in there. You think of like the really unique stuff that you know the Bristol Rowers fans with the Weetabix was it? Um, yeah. Yeah. The lot that came down with the celery back in the day. So shoes off for Shrewsbury could be a real like uh, a real identifier for our fans. Like, you know, it's all good. And if the bat if the match is bad, you can chuck them at the keeper, can't you? you know? <laughs> there was a guy saying, throw them on the pitch. Yeah. I was like, I'm not throwing my shoes on the pitch. Um but yeah it's uh, you know shoes, shoes, shoes. Yeah, it kind of works it, it scans, it? You know, yeah. I think it might be something that uh, the clubs have done. No, so we we'll well, probably don't are, do it then. We probably don't are it. nicking it off someone but yeah. um yeah, I'll have to ask the South Stand lads about that. But um, yeah, that was a great little moment as the game went on. It showed everyone was in a jovial spirits having gone one up. And yeah, the game kind of, that was it, it was towards half time. It was a bit of late pressure from Burton. They had a corner they headed over, which kind of landed on the roof of the net and a couple more half chances. But in general, the half was Burton with a lot of control of the ball. They definitely had more possession, but um, yeah, not much cutting edge. Some, and yeah, we stood firm and, and stood firm like we have been mm. doing all season. And half time, I was kind of hoping, you know, that, that we'll go and get a, a sort of second goal, really. And um, yeah. it would kill them off. So yeah, it was all good. Did, did, was Danny happy on the radio after <laughs> it, it sounded quite low stress I mean at this point I was making a curry and chopping an onion and it was it was lovely to listen to the town <laughs> actually winning away and making a, a good match of it and, and not putting themselves under any unnecessary pressure mm. um, it's what it, usually at home by the time we're 2-0 down on the radio I'll turn it off but yeah I was very happy to sit and watch the, uh, listen to the second half it was good there we go um Second half started with a big delay, um, which is why we had seven minutes injury time. There was a big clash of heads and their player came off worse, so that kind of slowed the start of the game down. Um, and then I thought, you know, considering that they'd had all the ball in the first half, we, we started this half really well. Um, and not only did we start it well in terms of creating some better chances and stuff, but we actually got possession. You know, yeah. we started to address those possession figures that went on and had some control and, and played some nice passes. I think that the midfielders started to get in the game. I thought, you know, we've not seen too much of Fauna um, since he joined, really. Mm-hmm. He's played, played bits of games and and started a couple but this was probably again one of his better games he's had for us he's quite a tidy little player on the ball he's, he's kind of Dave Davis like but with a bit yeah. more agility I suppose and yeah if he's going to play the next few games I kind of think he's going to get better and better yeah I saw him at, um, he came on at Wimbledon didn't he yes he did um, he seemed quite tidy there and I thought he came on the game before that word. so I've seen him at those two he came on in this game, didn't he? Yep. No, he started, no, he started this game, didn't he? Yep. And yeah, on the radio, he sounded like he was quite tidy. But I think, obviously, he knows Davis is going to be out now. So he's pretty much going to play every minute of every game for the rest of the season, isn't he? Probably. So And he's, he's had enough, enough games to sort of warm into it now. So hopefully, we'll see the player that they, they seem to rave about at Plymouth about him last season. Um, and mm. he'll have a strong end to the season, help us sort of push on again. Because he's relatively fresh legs as well, isn't he? So, a bit of energy. Yeah. yeah, it was good. And then, yeah, 59 minutes. So it wasn't long into the half where we kind of actually scored when we had a bit of the, the ball and the mm. control. Um, I think it was a corner. I think it was a corner. It might have been a free kick, but I'm pretty sure it was a corner. Um, kind of got recycled out of the box. Um, and then Nurse picked it up quite deep, actually. Deeper than I thought on the day. I didn't think yeah. he was that far out of the box. But watched the replay back today. And he comes forward quite a way. Um, he's allowed to shoot from from a range. And, um, yeah, straight at the goalkeeper. What a waste of a shot. <laughs> Thankfully, <laughs> the goalkeeper absolutely fumbles it um, straight up and behind him um, and there is Pennington to steal the goal on the line and we know he stole it because 
um, Shrewsbury Town put their video up of the goal, you know, when they get right in the yep. players, and you can hear them all talking. And uh, Nurse just comes up to him and kind of grabs him by the face and goes, "Goal stealer!" <laughs> so I'd have done that for the away supporters back yep. in the day, Mike. So um, yeah, it was good, good moment to be fair. And they celebrated right in front of the town fans. And and one of the things I was trying to get across on this one, really, in terms of the moment, was it was it was a massive release from the fans. You know, mm. you know, we, I I think a lot of us felt on the day that going two 0 up, we'd won that game. Yeah. Burton were just not good at all, and and they hadn't made their changes yet, but they'd been poor. We were completely on top. Um, but it also felt, you know, standing, I was no more than ten yards away from the players celebrating. Yeah. Felt, and I've been to pretty much every away game and all the home games, and I've seen all the celebrations season. It felt like a massive celebration. It felt like a real big moment. You know, mm. Elliot Bennett. If you watch the video I've taken of it, he's, he's looking right up at us, like directly where me and the family yeah. are standing, and going, "Come on!" Like loving it, and it just just felt like it was a massive moment in the season, really, for trying to turn things around or at least stop the rock, because that's what it was all about. It was about stopping the rock. Yeah, or and and you could hear it on the I heard it on the radio and on the highlights. You could hear the release, and and because there's so many town fans there, it sounds like a big moment, and the, the players are obviously into it. We had two or three of these this season. We've said, God, that was a big moment. Is this the one that galvanises? And you just hope this is the one that they can build on and and try and put that that sort of last run together that we need just to secure us this season because uh, that's all we need to do this season isn't it so hopefully they'll they'll take this you know clean sheet away from home two goals good performance no real problems from a decent side Burton are um yep. yeah and fingers crossed this is the one that kicks them on just to get over the line really yeah um, you could tell they enjoyed it yeah definitely it was it was a definite good moment and and this game felt to me like Fleetwood away then you know as soon as we got that goal Two things happened. One, the town fans started shouting, we are staying up. Oh, good. Which indicates that town fans had a worry at the back of their mind that we were not staying up. Do you know what I mean? I think a genuine worry as well. Yeah, yeah. the whole cha- the whole crowd were chatting that. And then the second thing was, I just I just felt watching the next couple of minutes after that that Burton had gone. Right. And so did their manager because he made three subs straight away pretty much. But it felt like Fleetwood. When we got the second, it was all town. We it were kind sounded of brilliant, yeah. Pouring forward. Um, we had a couple of chances we'll come to in a minute. But um, yeah, basically I, I felt like we'd won it at that point and, and it turned in, turned into that situation. And yeah, Burton did have to change it then because they they had gone as I said Chapman came on I thought was really decent interestingly we were talking the other week about Toto getting booed playing for um, Fleetwood and then Chapman who played for us for like 16 games I know he was good but he got a massive round of applause and uh, yeah it's a bit weird isn't it I don't know if the, if the fans can only remember like 18 months ago but the <laughs> boo Toto is mental um, Chapman's worthy of a, of a clap on too right it's, I, I clapped him yeah it's more the boo to Toto that's the issue there isn't yeah, it yeah so that was good he got a good reception and um, yeah he started pulling the strings and passing mm. the ball around and looking agile I've no idea why he didn't start for Burton he was he looked much better than the players they'd had in midfield during the game who were, who were pretty cumbersome and then they brought on the other two lads as well who said had a couple of fancy touches and, and looked a bit better and they, they got a bit more into the game but Town was still creating chances even though Burton got back into it um, I say Lee he put a ball across the box that was there just for like a tap in two yards out but no one was there um, where and were the then, strikers Glenn? well exactly and then Town fans decided to have their impact on the game every time the ball went in the back of the crowd Love they held it for ages for a good minute most of the time and then the referee <laughs> sent on the other ball goalkeeper lined up to take his goal kip, kicked it and it probably got halfway line and on come the other ball <sighs> referee blows up <laughs> It's Start the, again. It's the sort of nonsense when the opposition do it against you. There's nothing Furious. more annoying, and Furious. you're like, you're spoiling this game. God, they're idiots. And as soon as you all like do it, it's brilliant, isn't it? And I love that sort of thing when you when you're winning away from home and you're having a good day that you can start winding up the opposition and the and the players is, is great. I love that stuff. Yeah, it, and that you know coming back to the fans again, that's what it was all about. Everyone was having a good day out, and we've yeah. had so few of them. In all honesty, we've had so few of them where we've seen Town win this mm. season, and uh, you know you've got. To, I think Town fans are kind of craving when we go one 0 up, two 0 up. Now it's kind of like, hey, we're going to enjoy this. Yeah, it might, not, might not happen again for a while, but there was loads of good chance. My kids came home; they were, they were sort of singing all the way home. They'd never heard it before, but the "My Garden Shed is Bigger Than You" chant, mm. which we were talking about before, and you weren't, you couldn't remember us. We've no, had no. It a few times over the years, but not too many. But they fell in love with it. No swear words in it, obviously for for sort of twelve year old and ten year olds, and they they absolutely love that chant. So I hope we get to hear a bit more of that when we go to small grounds. And you know, there was loads of that football in a library and, sh- yeah. and the, the Burton fans were really poor I think you know they've always been quite quiet when we go there but you know that it is it's is a small club isn't it they've come yeah. up from the conference and their fans they're not the most vociferous I know we're well, not brilliant sometimes but geez yeah. when I was listening on the radio Dunny gave the attendance I think it was only about 3,000 just over 3,200 or something third of them were us yeah. and I can say the fact that we took 1,000 it's you know the fact that they, they remain in League One and they were in the Championship for a little while, weren't they? Like they're, they're a really well-run club yeah. to be respected, but they're never going to make that much noise because there just aren't that many of them. No, it's not a huge stadium even when they're yeah. is it? So there we go. Burn improved as the game went on, as I said, um, but they had absolutely no cutting edge. Um, we had no massive panics as the no. game went on, which was lovely, um, and we saw out the seven minutes of injury time. Hurst-esque, I would describe yeah. it as. Um, so yeah, no, no real worries, and that was that. Big win. Huge celebrations and, and the lads came over and clapped the fans, which was which was completely right, and the, the fans gave them a good send off as well. So um there we go. We've broke a curse, Mike. Yeah. We won an away game in that pink kit. 
Well, my daughter wore her new shoes pretend pink kit that she got for Christmas, but it's been a bit big. She wore it for the first time on Saturday, so she's convinced that she's the lucky child. Omen. Yeah, it's an go. omen. And, and um, yeah, as we said, we moved six points clear of relegation um, because Morecambe got pegged back to a draw late on, which yep. was a real um, a real good uh, situation. And one of the things I just wanted to talk about really is is like often in a, in, a, in a season you'll win maybe eight, nine, ten, or more than that away games in a season. Mm. And it's quite there'll be quite a lot of people, I imagine, who see all of those games. But this season, to have seen all four of our away victories in all competitions, you have to have been one of no more than 180 people because it was Stratford away, yep. where we only had whatever it was, the 100-odd tickets. It was Carlisle away, where basically nobody went to that. It was no. a horrible, horrible windy day, and we maybe only took 300. It was Fleetwood away on Boxing Day, which yep. again was a tough one for people, no public transport, and then Burton where we took a thousand, obviously. And I was I was asking on Twitter how many people have actually gone to the four wins away we've had. Be this about season. eight of you. I <laughs> like, there can't be that many of them. I, I quite I feel quite proud to have been the yeah, one, been at you. all of them, to be honest with you. But um, yeah, it's quite unusual because obviously I normally miss like we win at Plymouth or Portsmouth yeah. or somewhere like that where I probably wouldn't have gone on a, on a Tuesday night sort of thing. So um, I'm wondering if I'll keep my run up. So I'm going to Cambridge on Saturday just in Good. case we win. So You've got to keep going. I don't now, want yeah. I don't want to lose that run at the moment. So um, yeah, that, that was grand. All in all, it was a bloody good result. Um, stopped us kind of uh, getting in that relegation trouble a bit more. And I say two points extra off Morecambe was was a real good situation, really. So top three for me. Just before we move on, um, I thought Pennington was absolutely brilliant in this game. Um, he's a really good player, isn't he? Let's yeah. be honest with you. We'll, we'll ask you about him, but like he's a bit of a Rolls Royce at this level. Like Ebanks is a good player, and he's got a lot of experience at a high level. So is Pennington, to be fair. Um, but he's hard. He's one of those hard players. But Pennington's really good on the ball. Mm. Like. He can bring it out. He just looks a bit like he looks a bit classier. Not classier, maybe that's the wrong word, but like I don't know. They're, they're sl- very different centre backs, but yeah. they both give us so much. I'm not slagging Ebanks off. Well, I love Ebanks as well, but Pennington's a, a good player, isn't he? And he's really coming into his own um, as the defensive record shows this season. Yeah, and, and I think you know, hold my hands up. A few podcasts ago, when I was on, I liked him. Def- <laughs> I said he gave me Phil Jones vibes because <laughs> there was a while where he was a bit clumsy and he kept falling over and sort of under hitting back passes. Yeah, but maybe that was just settling into life in League One. Um, you know, he he was sort of settling into being a first team regular uh, in, in you know, full grown football. Um, but he's been he's been excellent for for months now. And like you say, Ebanks is I'd, I'd say Ebanks is a stopper. Yeah, he's a tackler. He's a header. Pennington's a bit more of a footballer. Yeah, and and you can tell he came from pedigree. You know, coming down from Everton, having played in the in the Premiership as well. Um, and I think you know if we've got Pennington. Um, the new centre half whose, whose name escapes Flanagan, Flanagan. Um, and then if we can keep hold of the rebanks, that's a great, um, a great back three of centre halves to, to build on. Um, also with Nurse, who can play in there, who I think mm. is good. So mm. you know, it'd be a shame to lose Pierre, but I think you know, um, Steve Cottrell can definitely sign good centre halves. He's got an eye for them, I think. The good thing about this window coming up in the summer, when we get to it, yeah. is that we have the five players who are playing week in, week out, and not conceding that many goals, yeah. all on contracts going forward. Yeah. Plus a goalkeeper who's not on loan, who's, yeah. on, who's on contract. Do you know what I mean? So it, it's nice that that back line doesn't need to be rebuilt. And if Cottrell does survive and he can actually weave his magic in the attacking positions in this window, then yeah. may, maybe there is something to be excited about and next some year. Of the, some of the conversations and, and interviews you hear of Cottrell talking about transfers and windows and, and, and tra- transfer strategy and buying, he talks about building something. And, you know, is the strategy that he's, he's got the keeper he wants, he's getting the defenders he wants, then he's going to, you know, he's got some midfielders. Mm, is yes. he building it from the back? Is this a, a long-term project? Because when Flanagan came in, he talked about, I've joined something, that's, they're building something here, I've come in, you know, for the, for the long term. So if that's the strategy and you get the, the defence sorted first, but that was kind of Ricketts' strategy. We already had a, we already had a reasonable defence, didn't we? So yeah, we, exactly. we've improved it slightly. Like, we've got a better defensive record than the last couple of seasons. Yeah. So um, it's the second best defensive record in League One up to this point, mm. other than the Hurst season. So right, yeah. we've definitely he's definitely improved a good defence to potentially what you would say is an excellent yeah. League One defence, but let down by a mid to average <laughs> attacking unit. So there we go. That's the problem, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I, I can't really spit Pennington Ebanks most weeks. It's really yeah, harsh. Like Pennington, I gave man of the match. Ebanks, I gave second place. And and as I say, Flanagan was really good in this game. But for me, Leahy again with his energy all round play um, nicked my third place. And those three for me have been been some of the best performers in the last couple of months. So yeah, um, yeah even when we were doing poorly, they very rarely very very rarely let us down. So. That was it, really. And as I say, we're not often going to talk about the conferences at the moment because we're not hearing too much of them. And I was obviously driving back from Burton, so I never got to hear too much. But it was clear that there was a little bit of a change in the press this week in that they kind of they kind of covered some of the more sensitive topics um, and it was put into the press yeah. about one specific comment that he made. So anyway, sounds to me like from the comments he made, he was pretty happy with the result and he was glad to yeah. give the fans back something and it was good to get rid of this bad run, etc., etc., etc. And then... 
could have just walked away and everyone would have thought that's a good day <laughs> we're all fine yeah, we've got nothing days. to talk about um but uh, yeah he did have a little spike at the end where he said the difficult point has been speaking to you and speaking to him and i think at that point he was talking to um stuart dunn and him being lewis cox um because you come at me with negative questions it doesn't matter to me what gets said if we get beat we get beat whenever it cranks me up it makes no difference to me so I didn't. I, I've heard the tone of this. He's quite angry, to be honest with you, yeah. when he's saying this. And um, it is. It is funny because we've spent the last three, four weeks talking about why the press won't ask so many difficult questions, or it's. It, it feels as a fan, and it, this is kind of prevalent about a lot of people. I'm talking about is that we've wanted to ask, how are you going to stop this run? Why don't we score more goals? You know, can you take some ownership for this? Mm. And the press haven't really been asking those questions post-match. There's been some of it in the pre-match stuff that I've listened to, but for him to then come out and say that he's been getting negative questions. Yeah baffles me because I haven't heard them no I know yeah where are these <laughs> negative questions because a lot of the stuff it's just the straightforward Bonkers. what did you th- well, you know because more often than not he's losing games and, and they're not performing well so Steve what can you say about today's loss like that's not a negative question that's asking him to reflect on reality mm. you know Steve what went wrong today you know why do you think we couldn't get into the game they aren't negative questions if the football's negative and the results are negative the questions are going to be of a negative nature they're not going to come in and say well we lost 2-0 today Steve you know what do you think went well today they're not going to try and put a positive spin on it it's you know, it's it's he's he's been in the game a long time. To think he's that naive about how he's going to get asked about a team that's been performing like they have is is very odd. I think. Um, yeah. And for him to say it makes no difference to me, it doesn't crank me up. It clearly does because he's having this pop. So, <laughs> you know, it's 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 quite a quite an immature reaction to it, and it's it's so frustrating because I think if he just simmered it a bit, the the town fans would get much more on side. It'd be a much more cohesive. You know, the only thing really putting people's backs up at the moment because the, the desire's there the results might not be but you know the, the work rate says it's just don't be such a dick sometimes mm. you know what I mean yeah you're not the only person to say that and it is it is a bit frustrating and you know I, I know a lot of people kind of know people in the press or they kind of listen to them every week and no, no one would say they're trying to do a hatchet job and no. so to paint it out that that's what the case is no. seems myopic really it seems seems very odd because um, most of the time when we get a win not this weekend but other weekends where we've been on a decent run and we've got a win he gets asked nice questions, he gives nice answers, and he seems like a decent bloke, and, and yeah, you can listen to yeah, the post-match, yeah. but as soon as the wheels start to come off a little bit, he's almost unlistenable, because it's so, it's almost childish in his, in his reaction sometimes, and it's, he's very Jekyll and Hyde, I can't imagine being managed by him. You have a good result, he's probably on top of the world, you have a bad result, he's probably got you in three days extra training, I don't know, it's a shame really, it's a shame because I think if he was a bit more level, it, it would benefit the, the club rather than, you know, negatively impacted. It, 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 it reminds me, it, it sort of reminds me, I was listening to the Leeds game on the way back, uh, it was the early kickoff, yeah. um, and obviously Bielsa's, you know, gone this week, isn't yeah. it? And a lot of the discussion there has been around, why wouldn't Bielsa change? He's got his tactics, he's got his approach to football, he's yeah. got his management style, he can't be bothered to learn English, he doesn't give a damn really, mm. and he'll do what he wants, and you live and die by the sword, right? Let's be honest about it, we can talk about Cottrell till the cows come home about his attitude, the way he comes across, how he treats press, some of the things he said and stuff like that, but I just generally think he doesn't give a shit. Like, no, yeah, he's never going to get talk, talked around. No, he's never going to listen to a fan being annoyed about it. He's he's never really going to give the press oh. anything other than a bit of a humdinger when shit shit hits the fan. And and it's kind of Bielsa like, isn't it? And if yeah. if that was the sort of thing that pissed off fans or or a club hierarchy at any club he was ever at, he won't care. He'll be like, well, if you sack me, you sack me. Do, I, I think that's exactly the root of it. He's had success. Exactly. He's managed at a high level. He's at Shrewsbury Town. He knows he's a bit of a big fish for 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 our small pond. Uh, he knows yeah. he knows the the. The chairman believes in him and backs him. And you know what? This guy writes for the Shropshire Star and this guy's on Radio Shropshire. You, you know, I can treat you like dirt because I know that I'm basically bulletproof within the club. Mm. Um, and, you know, I can I can just do what I want, really. And, you know, if it, get, if it all gets too much and the pressure goes on the chairman, he wants to give me the sack, all right, I'll go and manage somebody else. I think that, I don't, I, yeah, I think that's kind of quite a, Quite a fair way of putting it, I think. Yeah, there we go. Well, that, that's that. We'll move, we're moving on, obviously, to what's coming up this week quickly before we wrap up this podcast. But it's, it's a very interesting week, really. We've got a very, very tough game at home on Tuesday, which if we do get anything out of, I would say, say is a bloody good point. At least if we've got to win, it'd be remarkable. Jesus, yeah. Um, but yeah, we're playing Rotherham at home, obviously, on Tuesday, who haven't lost for ages. Um, we're on a good run of wins in, in the last five. And yeah, they're top of the league. So expect to get anything out of that one, Mike? No. No, I'm going to turn up on Tuesday more in hope than expectation. Fine. Um, keeping 11 on the pitch would help us massively. Um, 
And you never know, it might just be one of those days, which is why we keep coming back. Yeah, it? exactly. That's continually why we go to these away games <laughs> yeah. all season. Because you know, I've seen four now, so it's, we're buzzing, four away wins. Um, and yeah, then we're obviously the, the bigger game this week, I suppose, in terms of our kind of prospects for keeping our head above the water, um, is Cambridge away, um, mm. who are just above us. I think they're four, five points above us. They're, they're up in 13th, so it's not a huge gap up to that right, yeah. kind of echelon, really, which shows, again, if we could push on, there's there's definitely higher positions to be had. Um, and I, I did a podcast with a guy from the Abbey stand this morning and kind of gave him an update on our season. His first question was, so Glenn, talk about how your season's gone. And I was like, <laughs> very disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we were just having a chat about that. But yeah, they, they seem to be quite, kind of quite happy with how their first season's gone back in the league. And, yeah. um, you know, as I say, they're, they're kind of where they thought they would be, maybe a little bit ahead of it. So it's definitely a game at the start of the season, playing one of the teams that's come up as an established League One team, you'd think we can go there and get something. But if we were to come out this week with a point, you know, maybe lose to Rotherham and, and draw at Cambridge or maybe a couple of draws, would that be okay at the moment, considering we just got the win? Would you be happy with that? I'd, I'd be targeting Cambridge for a win, I think. We won away mm. at the weekend against a, t- a team of us in the league. I think there should be some belief in there. It's it's about not getting routed on Tuesday. If we come out of Tuesday with a good result, they can take an away victory and a decent performance against the top of the league. That should give them the confidence for Cambridge. Yeah. So the, the big... The big the big game this week, I think, is the Tuesday night yeah, to keep it competitive and to, to put a good performance on. And then the one to target with points is actually the Saturday. So it's a, it's a funny week, really. Yeah, it is, isn't it? And yeah, it ain't going to get any easier. There's 12 games to go now, so it's all uh, it's all coming to a head, isn't it? And we need to keep just our head above Morecambe. That's what I keep saying. Yep. <laughs> so that's the idea. And I think the best news this week, Mike, we're probably just worth reflecting on, is the news that a man we thought we might never see play again, um, who is obviously what would be considered a modern-day legend. I don't think that's Absolutely, too unfair. Yeah, yeah. Sean Wally um, obviously got crocked earlier on in the season, which is one of the reasons we probably struggled so much, missing his creative output. Um, yeah, seven to ten days he could be back, mm. which shows you, I suppose, I think personally, that Sean Wally has probably worked the hardest he's worked in his career to make sure he gets back to play for this football club, get his 250th appearance yep. and be remembered for someone that made that mark. And I, I I will applaud probably as most as much as I've kind of clapped a player um, if he gets to play one more game for us. So I, I was absolutely buzzing when I heard that. Oh, I'd be delighted if he gets on the pitch again this season. It'd Me be too. great. My only question is, where do you play him? Because we <laughs> lamented him as a 10. We don't play with wingers. And we've got three... Well, four professional strikers on the club now. So I'm not sure where he gets in the team, but it'd be great to see him get a cameo or something. You know, yeah. He's done a job at right and left wing back. We could Jesus put Elliot, Elliot Bennett back in central midfield and, yeah. and we're away, aren't we? So, But just, you know, I don't think there's any town fan in, in the in the world, really, who doesn't matter where you live. We've obviously got listeners to this podcast everywhere that wouldn't um, you oh, know, yeah. absolutely have been so chuffed when they heard that news. So, yeah, hopefully his, his, uh, his, his injury kind of keeps you rehabilitating over the next 10 days. He doesn't get clogged by Pennington or Ebanks in training or something that sets him back. And Almost um... definitely going to happen though, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that really. Yeah. I've maybe jinxed it. But yeah, I'm glad he's on the way back really. And um, for the bad news about Davis, it kind of balanced up, didn't it really? So yeah, yeah, there we go. That's the week in Shrewsbury Town really, I suppose. So um, yeah, I suppose thanks for joining us again, Mike. Yeah, I hope people can differentiate between our voices, I think. That's the only <laughs> issue with only two of us and not having Ollie here to break it up. But no, it's, it's good fun. I always enjoy it. I yeah, know, it's good. We, always, we, we say we end up talking about this on Saturdays at the match and then Sundays at Mum and Dad's when we're having a bit yeah. of food. So, And we went to Hickory's for lunch today, didn't we? And what did we end up talking about? So there we go. We, we tried not to to save it for this, didn't well, we? Well, we did, yeah. We were watching the football, weren't we? But um, yeah, there we go. So... Yeah, thanks for joining us. And um, yeah, Ollie and myself will be back next week. Um, as I say, we'll both be at the Rotherham game, I think, as long as Ollie's house is moved fully now. And um, yeah, I'm taking, I'm going to Cambridge next week with the kids. So I'll be at both games next week. So yeah, back next Sunday, um, hopefully covering some more points in the bag and those dwindling relegation fears. 